Amen. Do you have your Bibles? Amen. Are you ready this morning, David? Are you ready? Say it with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Cause this word to come alive in us. In Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. Now, again, I want you to hear that. There's a reason we say that, but, and, and I didn't give it to you last week. I'm just going to read this to you because many times we approach the word with our minds instead of our hearts. And I tried to illustrate to you last week, and I did it through seed and soil and with Pastor Tim. And I'm not going to go back because we went all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, on the third day, God created man out of the dust of the earth. I mean, it caused the earth to come forth on the third day. Then on the sixth day, God made man, in Genesis 2, 7, says he formed him out of the dust of the earth or out of the ground. And the earth was made, and, and, and God's uh, commission over the earth, the earth is commissioned to receive seed and bring forth harvest after the kind of seed that's sowed in it. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. And then when Jesus comes, he begins to speak to us about parables and sowing and the word being seed. Amen? And so in that, and so, but I can, I can believe in soil and I can believe in seed. But until seed gets in soil, it's not going to produce a harvest. And in your life and in my life, we, we play dual roles. We are both, our lives are in seed form. We choose. You made the choice. Man, I just want to, let me just pause right here. Could you guys just give yourselves a great big round of applause? You had a great chance to give yourselves a great applause. You're kind of like, yeah, okay. Anyway. <laughs> In that area, I mean, our whole county, we have no power mostly anywhere else. I, I just realized the other day, God really blessed us because our property really has become prime property. Because we have the sheriff's department right there and pg e right there. This place will always be great business property. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, what a wise investment. <laughs> Amen. But... Uh, God bless you. You made the choice today, regardless of whether you had power or didn't have power, that I'm going to go to church. And so you made a choice, and every choice is the seed, and when it's sown, it produces a harvest. Are you with me? And, and that's part of what's hard is that we don't, if, if, we, if our mind ever shifts a little bit, and we start thinking more about seed time and harvest, that, that every choice is a seed that produces a harvest, then I can expect you'll never see a farmer who has planted the seed out in his field just standing there hoping that something comes up. He's going to tell you what he's expecting. He knows he's planted. In fact, most farmers will tell you how, how, how great of a harvest they want. When we used to pastor in farm country in there, the, those, the, the guys that were planting alfalfa and that, they, know, they knew how many tons they wanted to receive per acre. They, they know how many, if you would, bushels or, or what quantities they're expecting and, and they're sowing, believing for increase more than what they sowed. Amen. And not just for equal term, but for the increase and multiply. So, so our choices are seed, but then on the other side, the Bible says, I tried to illustrate Pastor Tim uh, uh, last week, is that we're made out of soil, but uh, God, the Lord spoke in Mark 4 that our hearts are the soil that the seed is sown into. So you are seed and you are soil. 
Personally, we make the choice to sow the seed of our life into the soil of his kingdom. And when I sow the seed of my life, your life, God is already like a seed. Your God has given you an assignment. You have an assignment from God. Your job is not to to design God's purpose for your life. Your job and my job is to sow my life into the soil of his kingdom so that what he put in me comes out of me. Are you with me? It's not up to me to design what I think I should be for God. I'm already designed by God to produce increase for his kingdom. God has already put an assignment on the inside of each and every one of us. God is a God of purpose. He creates nothing without a purpose. A duck-billed platypus has purpose. Now, you might look at it and say, what is up with that? But it has purpose in the ecosystem. Are you with me? Everything has purpose. A dung beetle has purpose. You may feel like that sometimes. I feel like my purpose. I've just been rolling dung my whole life. No, God has purpose for you. Amen? So no matter what, God has great purpose. But the problem is, is that our soil can be conditioned. It can become hard. It can become wayside. It becomes unreceptive. Or other things like weeds can creep in and choke the word and cause the word to become unproductive in our life. Which means that the word has to be received not just in our heads. And that's what I'm trying to get across. When it comes to the Word of God, too many try to receive the Word in their mind to process it through their own understanding. And if it makes sense to them, they might open their heart to God. That's usually the way people come. Well, you know, I just don't understand. People say, I read the Bible and I don't understand it. It's because the Bible never talks to your head. God's Word does not talk to your head. It speaks to your heart. And so when I'm trying to understand spiritual things with the natural mind, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man cannot receive the things of God. They are spiritually discerned, not mentally understood. Are you with me? And so I have to open my heart to God. The word cannot produce in our lives until it is planted in our heart. Head knowledge, head faith, head believing does not produce a harvest contained in the word. My heart has to believe, excuse me, Beyond what my head is telling me. In order to live for God, you're going to have to be able to have your heart overtake what your head is telling you. To live for God. That's why our minds have to be renewed and transformed into agreement with the Word of God. When the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's bringing your mind into an agreement with what God has said. Amen? Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 14, I just want to read a few of these verses with you. Jesus, hearing about the death of John the Baptist, he departs, verse 13, Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities, excuse me. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening... His disciples came and came to him saying, it is a desert, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
And last week we began this series on being blessed, broken, and given. And this morning we don't have an outline, everything, our internet down, everything. So I put everything in a PowerPoint this morning. We'll be going through this together uh, as much as we can in our time this morning. But in this, we're learning what Jesus is doing here. Why does Jesus do miracles? Why did he do anything that he did? Was it just to prove that he could? No. He's always illustrating a truth and a principle. And this is really a key that I want you to understand. God's word, if we don't understand the principle behind the truth, and we're just showing truth at each other, you're going to get misapplication. Jesus did everything to reveal kingdom principle. This is how the kingdom operates. Listen to what he said in the parable. The kingdom is like this. 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 This is how the kingdom operates. These are the principles of the kingdom. And every truth, God is a God of principles. Are you listening to me? The word of God gives us principles to live by. And so a lot of arguments begin just over throwing out truthful information, but you have to apply the principle that's connected to the truth. Are you doing all right? And so it's so important to understand. So Jesus says, you give them something to eat, and they said, we have, you give them something to have. We have here only five loaves and two fish, and he said, bring them here to me. Now, I don't want to go all the way back through this. And we know that what he did then is he received them. He took them. He then blessed them. He then broke them. And he gave them to the disciples so that they would give out to the people. And then after it was all over, they collected what was left over. And we know that when they fed the 5,000 men plus women and children, that there were more than 12 baskets left over. And then just shortly later, the same situation comes up again. And he feeds 4,000. Men, plus women and children. And they have seven baskets left over. But that time they had seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. And then they said that he blessed them, he broke them, and he gave them to them. And the same thing happened. Are you listening to me? So important. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26 and verse 26. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it for you, for this is my body of the new covenant which is shed, for the blood of the new covenant which is shed for the remissions of sin. And we know that Jesus was giving his life, one life, Saved all of humanity through being blessed, broken, and given. And this is a principle that applies to our life when we understand what God is asking us to do. That this principle applies, when we live by it, it changes our whole life. Amen? So the first point I want you to see this morning is that God's plan for your life and for his church is one that brings his divine order and purpose into our life. The life of Christ is an illustration to humanity on how to live to purpose. Peace always flows from purpose. If I don't have God's purpose, I'm unrest. I'm making decisions. One week I think this and the next week I think that. When I get in God's purpose, I'm in a place of rest and a place of peace. Are you with me? Secondly, there's a threefold cord that we see through everything that is complete. Three is the number of divine perfection. We gave you a lot of that last week. Three is seen in one area of our lives as being blessed by being received, broken by being defined to purpose, being broken and separated from my plans. 
In John 16, verse 15, what happened there, it's speaking of that the disciples, the, the people were coming, getting ready to force him to be king. And I said to you last week, it's so important that you... Cool, cool. So we don't want to go ahead and give me the hand held mic. Okay, there we go. So we don't want to force God to be who we want him to be. What we want to do is allow God, we want to agree with his plan, not divide, design our own plan. Amen? Full power? Sweet. All right, over there? Praise God. Okay. Um, and so they were going to come and make Jesus force him to be king. That's what Judas tried to do. And so we think, well, I may not do that. But when I'm trying to manipulate God through our prayers or do things, a lot of times we're trying to make him do what we want to do instead of asking brokenness is where he gets to define what we do with our lives. He defines our purpose, not us. That's very hard. And I, I didn't bring it out this morning, but I was going to do it, and I was praying about this this week, but you will even see it in marriages. This principle, let me give this to you in a marriage scenario, being blessed, broken, and given. When a husband and a wife come together and, and, and the male and female give themselves to each other, that union now is blessed. That's a blessed union. So through giving, the blessing comes by being given to one another. We are blessed by giving our life to The moment you give your life to Christ, you are joined with him. How many know that being joined with Christ is being blessed? The Bible says that he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have already been made a partaker of the divine nature. But now the next step of marriage is brokenness. Because in brokenness, you no longer get to have your way in the marriage. Because marriage is a resurrection. You get to die to who you were to live for who you now are. And so your marriage is now defined through the brokenness of being one together. It's not your idea. I think it should turn out way. This is my purpose. This is why I got married. Let me just set you up a counseling appointment right now. And my counseling appointment goes like this. What you're, th this is how I counsel people. I did real simple. If you were right in what you think, we would not be having this conversation. Amen? So you might want to change your perspective about what your marriage is supposed to be and die to find out what it can be when two become one. But that takes brokenness, being defined by purpose of union together. Are you with me? And then you live your life giving yourself to your partner. And marriage is a harvest of what two people give of themselves to each other. If you don't like your marriage, ask yourself, how am I sowing into it? Because if you're not sowing into it, then there's no harvest coming back to you. Everything about your life is seed, time, and harvest. You reap what you sow. In marriage, in life, in every aspect. Are we doing all right this morning? That's free. That's not even in my PowerPoint. Amen. 
So with all of that, you get that. And then, so we're blessed, broken by purpose, and then they're being given by being given and sent to meet a need. That's what God wants to do through your life. What is so big about mission? God wants to send you. He's trying to show his disciple. Look at the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. When you look at it in the natural, there's no way to do that. Jesus said, just give me your life. I'll receive it. I will multiply your life with the resource of heaven. And I will send you out. And if you will be given, not only will you be able to do what I'm asking you to do. But there will be provision for you to live on that's how it works amen so think about this the kingdom of god operates in the earth based on principles according to patterns set forth in god's word when we learn the principles and apply the pattern we see his power and his promises come to pass it's not a matter where i understand them it's not a matter we're in seven steps to this six way to that no it's living by truth amen so we must all increase our need we must expand our vision of God's purpose in our life. That's what I like to You were made for more. I want to just tell me this morning. Let me just say this to you this morning. Get a bigger vision. Make your vision bigger than owning a car, buying a house, and having a happy life. That, that's, a, that's a little bitty bit. Get a big vision for what God to do through your life when you're given to something greater than your own life. Let me kind of put it to you like this. The disciples wanted the multitude to be sent away because they were hungry. They wanted to go eat. Are you doing all right? And if the people didn't go away, Jesus is going to keep ministering. All right, moving right along. It's kind of like the bewitching hour of 12 o'clock. People go, man, I'm hungry. He needs to quit. I'm out of here. Amen. So watch it. Live for something larger than yourself. Live for his purpose and plan in your life. Ask yourself, what could this one man's life do? What could it be? And let me ask you this. Who is waiting on you? I'm fully convinced of this. Every one of our lives is connected to somebody else in eternity. We're a part of God's eternal purpose. So there are lives that are connected to us with eternity connected to them. So who is waiting on you? And when we think about principles, I just put 10 of them here real quick. Principles from the word that produce fulfillment of God's promises. Honor is a principle in God's word. Learning how to live by honor. Who do we honor? Honor God, honor your parents, honor elders. How many know honoring your parents is the first commandment with promise? Amen? So learning to honor. Honoring those in authority. Forgiveness brings about debt cancellation. Sabbath is the principle of rest. First things are the principle of divine order. Jesus said, seek what? First, the kingdom of God. So God is a order of first things first. So that's a principle. Sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest is a principle. Prosperity is a principle that flows from obedience. Spiritual authority and ministry is a principle. Faithfulness is a principle. Lordship is a principle. And abiding is a principle. Amen? Abiding in Christ is a principle.
So let me just give you, I'm going to give you just very quickly uh, lesson one and maybe lesson two from six lessons that flow from being blessed, broken, and given. Number one, we're called to live off the increase of being blessed, broken, and given. Go with me to Luke chapter nine. Are you doing all right this morning? Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 9. Now watch this very carefully. Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he gave everything to them. One thing, and if you've been around much, and, and it's something, how many just love the, I love the presence of God. I love everything God does in our lives. I love to be in the presence of God. But when God comes in, everything God does in our life is for the purpose. God wants to flow through every believer's life. Through their life, he wants them to be refreshed. He wants them to be nourished. He wants them to be filled. He wants them to know they're blessed. He wants them to have just peace in their life. But he does that so that he can flow through us then to someone else. His purpose is always to reach someone through your life. Are you with me? Always that he might touch somebody through your life. And so Jesus calls his disciples. He gives them power. He gives them authority. And then he sends them to minister to the people. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to send you and I. And it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, that's why I get excited when I watch our young people. I'm excited when young people make the choice to start living for God early in their life. How many wish you would have started earlier? Amen. So when dealing with that, so we live off the increase of being blessed, broken, and given. Watch this. Many times we can hear the truth proclaimed but miss walking in the fullness of it. Because we can't see it first. We have to do it first. Well, I, I want to see it. So then we're going back to the understanding. I, I want to see it before I do it. Amen? Secondly, the disciples, watch this as we read, they were God called, God anointed, and God appointed. Amen? They were called, they, they were gifted and equipped, and then they were appointed for a purpose. The word sent, an apostle is a sent one. It is one sent, ordained by God for a specific purpose. So they were called, they were anointed, they were God called. He called them to himself. He gave them from himself. Did you get that? He gave them from himself, and then he sent them for himself. That's exactly what God wants to do through your life. That is what being blessed, broken, and given. When I give, he calls us and he asks us to give ourselves to him. And in doing that, and and then when I do that from that moment, I I am then equipped by him. I empowered by him. But we have to understand when we're called, being called, we're automatically blessed. I wish I could just get you to believe you're blessed. Next time somebody asks you, how are you doing today? You now have only one answer for the rest of your life. Blessed. Not, well, I hope things turn around. No, you're blessed. Because things are working many times that we don't understand, but I am always blessed in Him. Amen? And God will always bring it about for our good. Secondly, I am empowered. In fact, I used to, I've said this over the years, but when I fly, I believe that plane is safe. I'm the best flight insurance you can get. Well, how can you say that? Because I believe I'm in the will of God. 
If, if I'm doing the will of God, listen, to well, Pastor, that's kind of arrogant. No, they boiled the Apostle John in oil. They tried to cook the dude alive. And they brought him, and he was still alive. And then they said, well, we can't cook him and kill him, so we'll put him on the Isle of Patmos and work the dude to death. So while he's out there beating rocks on this little island of Patmos, he just decides that one day on on the Lord's Day, on the Sabbath, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And I heard a voice behind me saying, and so they couldn't cook him and they couldn't kill him because God hadn't revealed the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ to him yet. When you're living in the will of God, you live under divine protection. How many have ever read the book of Job where the devil said to Job, I can't touch him, you put a hedge around him. Why did God have a hedge around him? Because Job was a man who made a decision to walk in righteousness before God. Are you doing all right? And, and that's why when you understand that, you live in a place. That's why they, when they told me, they said, you have hepatitis C. The next words out of my mouth were, this too shall pass. Are you listening to me? Well, I'm I'm just trying to get you to renew your mind to the truth of who you are in Christ, that when you're called, you are blessed. And then if you're called by him, he also empowers us. It can't come from the arms of man. Acts chapter 4, verse 30, they were praying, Lord, that by stretching forth your hand to heal. Could I just put it to you like this? God wants your hand to be the glove that his hand is in. He he wants your hand to be the glove that his hand is in so that when he touches, he's touching through you. Are you listening to me? And then he said that we are sent, given to be the hand of God to the people. Jesus called them to himself, gave them from himself, and sent them for himself. And he wants to do the same with us. How many just shout amen? Praise the Lord. Now watch this. Jesus always acted and taught in ways that would take our eyes off of ourselves and place them on the purpose of God in our life. Look at what he's doing. So they're out there. They got this need. And Jesus said, hey, you need to see the kingdom. You need to see the kingdom. He wants to get our eyes off of us and onto his greater purpose in our life. We are limited when we only see what we can do. People think about, well, how are we going to do that in God? See, if I'm thinking it up, then I have to do it. But if I'm being led by him, he makes provision for it. He never sends us without making it happen. And when he's sending us, we have the right to believe from supernatural increase, from unexpected source. How many know that he fed the multitudes by supernatural increase? That's what God connects us to. But somewhere in our hands, here's the problem. If we wait till we have enough, if I won't move until I have enough resources right in my hand, then I'm doing it by my strength, not by his provision. I need to believe him to make it happen. The just shall live by, we walk by faith, not by account balance. Many of you don't tithe because you can't see enough in your balance to make it possible. And because you don't see enough to honor God and still make it, you choose not to honor God. And so you cut yourself out because until you give, He can't bless. 
And so now, all the responsibility, my provision, that's why you live under financial pressure. That's why you get worried. Because you, you're living by your own resource, not the resource of heaven. Are you doing all right? It's, it's just a principle. Amen. All right. So lesson number two. This is fun. Jesus will always ask for all you have. These guys send the multitudes home. We got enough of a lunch here. Each one of us is going to get like a, not a slider. We're going to get like a, <laughs> you know, a slider is like a little, little hamburger that they shrunk. It's like a one-bite hamburger, a little slider, you know, they give you those. It's like, <clears throat> because it just slides right down without chewing or whatever that is. But, but anyway... So they're looking at five loaves and two fish among all of them. They're thinking, man, we're barely going to get a morsel, let alone anything else. Get rid of these people so we can take care of that. And then Jesus says, no, you're not even going to get that. You're going to give me everything you have. That's the problem. When it, one of the principles of lordship is Jesus asks for everything, not a part. He asks for everything, not a part. Go give everything you have. Come and follow me. The disciples left everything to follow him. The problem is, is that we, if we ever really get the understanding of sowing and reaping, you never lose with God. You can't lose with your life. How could I give my life? We want to stay in control. I was going to do the illustration of this, but my truck parked up on the upper lot up there. And if I said, hey, Tim, I'm going to give you my truck today. I just want to bless you and give you my truck. Is that all right? Okay, he goes, yeah, sure. So I go get my truck. I drive down. I said, let me go get it. I drive down. And then I just drive by. I say, Tim, see you later. <laughs> Pastor, I thought you gave me a truck. I did. I'll see you later. That's the way most Christians live their life. Lord, I give you my life. And then we go get in our life and drive off and do our own thing. If you give it to somebody, you give it to somebody. You don't get to keep it and drive around it and say, well, you know, I gave it to Tim, and one of these days I'm going to let him drive it. <laughs> People go, oh, is that your truck? No, it's Tim's. I gave it to Tim. <laughs> well, how come you're driving it? Well, you, uh, well I'm, it, but, but it is his. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but no, it's Tim's truck, not my truck. But you're driving it. Your life is a vehicle. Your life is a vehicle. Amen. The problem is, we like driving our own vehicle. Doing all right? I have to believe that if I give my life to Christ, I don't lose my life. I gain His life. Are you doing okay? Is this helping anybody besides me? Why does he do that? God's purpose is to show us that all we have will never be enough to fulfill his purpose in our life. Our faith must always be in God's supply, not our provision. Let me put it to you like this. Bill Gates used to be the richest guy in the world. Now it's a guy who owns Amazon or whatever. Um, Multi-billion billionaire. But if he got saved and gave his life to Christ... God will not ask him to do something with his billions for him. 
God would ask him to do something greater than his billions. Because if he just did it with his billions, it would require no faith in God. God's not asking you to do anything with your bank account. He's asking you to operate in the principle of being blessed by giving him what you have so he can release the resource of heaven into your life. I got saved in 1978 after complete failure in my life. When I called my dad from Montana to say, can I come home? I'd call, I had to call my mom and my stepdad in Pennsylvania where they were working to get enough money to buy an airplane ticket to come home. When I got off the plane in Sacramento, I had a duffel bag of clothes and $10. I had no life. I'd lost everything. And on December 13th in 1978, when I gave my life to Christ, that's what I did. I gave my life to Christ. I don't have family money behind me. I've never had any resources. I've never had. I just said yes. And everything God has done through my life is saying, Lord, I will live for you. I want to see what you want to do through my life. When I write on my offering envelope, we're going to see the offering in a few moments. On there it says, name your seed. This is always the name of my seed. The continual flow of kingdom increase through my life. I want to live to see God's kingdom increase through my life. I want to live to lay up treasure in heaven, not just on this earth. I am not living for here. I'm living for all of eternity. How many would say that's your goal? For that to happen, I have to live blessed, broken, and given. Because God always moves to show us that all we have will never be enough to fulfill his purpose in our life. We didn't have enough when we entered in negotiation to buy this building. We did not have the cash to make a down payment to buy this building. Everything we have ever done in believing God and stepping out as a ministry, as a church together, we did not have to do it. But you, when you begin to say yes and take the step, then God brings the supply. People who don't even go to your church send you checks for $10,000. A businessman who wouldn't give you the loan comes to see what you're doing, writes your personal check out of his account for $10,000. People. (laughs) But you have to say yes beyond what you have. Even in churches, boards will go, well, we can't do that. We don't have enough. We're not going to do it by what we have. We're going to do it by what he has. Are you with me? Amen. Garrett, could you come back to the keyboard, please? Worship team, come back. When we release what we have, he can turn not enough into more than enough. Do you get that? When you release what you have, he can turn not enough into more than enough. That's exactly what he does. Look what the disciples said. What is this among so many? This is all we have. Jesus said, then release it to me. And what did he do? He took their not enough and turned it into more than enough. And not just enough so everybody had a bite, but almost 20,000 people ate till they were full. That not enough 
fed almost 20,000 people. Jesus, when he broke the bread with his disciples, Matthew doesn't say it, but in Luke it said, this is my body broken for you. My body, he said in John chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. And one life that's been given to God. Jesus had to make the choice to give his life to the Father, to live for the Father's will. Over and over you heard him say it. Not my will. I only do. I'm living to do the will of the Father. I have come to do the will of the Father. I am not self-driven. I am kingdom-driven. And so he gave his life to the Father. He is blessed. And because he gave it, his life has now been multiplied. And because he's given away, not only does he give his life away, but what's he get back? He gives his life away knowing. That's what Jesus said. Knowing that on the third day, he gets his life back. But he had to give his life to keep his life. What did he say? Whosoever shall try to save his life will lose it. Whosoever loses his life shall keep it. We're trying to figure out how to live by holding on instead of living by giving. I'm sorry if I'm messing with a lot of religion here today. But if I get it, if I get it. I love, I I set out, I've always read to try to understand the principles of God's word. It's easy to find truth in God's Word. It's another another thing to understand the principles of His Word. I've always enjoyed God showing me principles. But I find this. If I'm living by the principle, I am at rest. How's it going? What are you going to do? Probably absolutely nothing. Why? Because in the natural, I don't have the ability to do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm just going to believe God. What's going to happen? I believe He'll show up. But don't you have to worry about it? No, not unless I want to play for the other team. The moment I begin to worry or any of us begin to worry or walk in fear, we automatically begin to fight against ourselves by aligning ourselves with the devil. The devil works through spirits of fear. I open myself up to demonic influence, spirit of fear, and worry. And you can't fix anything either way. Think about it. Just right now, if you're given to fear or worry, just somebody raise a hand and tell me what you've accomplished with that. Tell me one thing good that's come out of all your fear and all your worry. I'll wait a while. (laughs) I worried all night about this. Okay, what changed? Nothing. Other than you got no sleep. And now you're irritable and everybody else is miserable around you. That's the only thing that changed. God never asks you to do anything non-productive. God does nothing non-productive. He never asks you to do anything that does not produce. Everything God asks you to do produces. Are you listening to me? 
God is life. Everything He does, He can only produce life. He cannot produce death. And everything that is alive grows and increases. Are you doing all right? Amen. Why don't you just bow your heads for a moment? I don't know where you've been, how you're living, what you're doing, what all your concerns are. But worry is not from God. And one of the greatest people areas where people stress is in their finances. Pastor Sue and I were tithing before we got married, honoring God, giving to God. And when we got married and went into full-time ministry, within less than two years, we were unemployed, pregnant with our first child, and having to live on $300 a month with no other visible means of support. But we were still tithing on that $300 a month. And we were new, we were right where God asked us to be. And then the people we were renting our home from said, you don't have to pay rent until you get a job. A pastor came and preached at the church and said, we'll pay for your health insurance until your child is born. Families came and gave us money, bought us food, did everything else. God met every need exceedingly and abundantly above. On $300 a month with us tithing. Because when you believe God, you're not living by yourself, you're living by Him. This morning, I just want you, if you need to, just to let go of the fear and the worry when it comes to your giving. We're going to receive the offering just a moment as we close the service this morning. So as Pastor Tim said, just purpose to believe God, to honor God. Live your life blessed. Live it broken and live it given. Because God's trying to release heaven into your life. Because what He wants to do is greater than what you've planned for your own life. And He wants to release that through you. Father, I pray today over your people as they prepare to give. Lord, I thank you that you'll speak to each and every heart. Father, I come against the fear and the spirit of worry that tries to attack your people in the area of giving on every area. So, Father, I break those lies, offer their lies right now, the lies and the deception of the enemy. And, Father, I speak your peace to them. Jesus, you said we could release our peace. You told your disciples, when you go into a house, let your peace abide there. So, Father, right now, I release my peace into the hearts and lives of your people, into this sanctuary this morning. Let your peace fall in this place upon the hearts and lives of your people, Father. Lord, as they believe you, as they purpose to live for you, given to you, being blessed, Father, receive what they give. Multiply it with the resource of heaven. Give it back to them so they can give it away and let your increase abound through their lives. In Jesus' name. Ushers, if you'll come this morning, as they're coming, if you need to prepare your offering, I'm going to ask the worship team just to lead us in a song, and then we're going to pray together.